You are listening to the Revive the World Ministries podcast. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.org or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. It's a little bit slow on recovery. <laughs> I can't just come out, and it's it's been going on since we was in the prayer room this morning. Whew, it was so good. So y'all y'all know that Tony's in Pakistan, and uh, he's with uh, the, um, the ministry Grace Network over there. And uh, the leader of that ministry his name's Dinesh Peters. And you know, it's the persecuted church, and they're going from crusade to crusade, speaking and ministering to tens of thousands of people in a shot. And they're going from one to another. And (sighs) And this morning, they had the love to call us well, we're in the prayer room and pray for us in the midst of all that that's going on. That's the heart of God. That they're ministering. The other night, it was like 28,000 people had gathered. And they stop what they're doing because Tony was going to, a, a, to speak at another um, event this morning. Well, it's not morning over there. And they stopped to call us to pray for us. I'm sorry, that just messes me up. God is so good. If we're not seeing it in our own life, I'm hoping that by the end of our discussion, we'll see a little bit more. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is in Mark chapter 9. And I'm going to focus on the Father. That's the one where Jesus went up on the mountain of transfiguration, came down from the mountain, and his disciples are in a discussion. You know, it's kind of a little stirring going on. His disciples and scribes, Pharisees, and other people. And Jesus is like, what's going on? And one of the people in the crowd says, Teacher, I, my son has been demonized, and he has a, a spirit that, that throws him into the fire and throws him into the water and is, is trying to kill him. And I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't cast it out. So... He has the, the, I don't want to say child, because he, he may have been, you know, like teenager, even a young man. He just says, my son. He has this, this son brought to him, and when, when he sees Jesus, he falls down, wallows on the ground, and it says that he's foaming at the mouth, just all kinds of stuff going on. And Jesus says, how long has this been going on? 
And he says, since childhood, he's had this deaf and mute spirit. Now, it's interesting to note that this is what makes the, the miracle even more incredible, was that the first century Jews did not believe you could cast out a spirit without knowing its name. You had to know its name. So, if you have a mute spirit, guess what it's not going to do? <laughs> so anyway, he says he's had this deaf, mute spirit since childhood, and if you can do anything, please help him. And Jesus says, if, <laughs> if you can believe, all things are possible to those who believe. All things are possible to those who believe. And the man says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Oh, I love that answer. It is so honest. It's straight from the gut. You know, it's, it's honest. I believe. He's, the man's desperate. Help my unbelief. He's covering both sides of the coin here, you know. I do believe, but I know there's something, some area of life I'm not believing. Help me. So Jesus casts out the spirit. Happy ending. But isn't that where we find ourselves a lot? I believe. Help my unbelief. This past Wednesday, Nikki brought an excellent teaching regarding the ease of following the true shepherd. And the idea of following Jesus being easy, it's scriptural. It is in scripture. Um, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. We're going to look at it in the New King James Version and also in the Passion Translation. But in the New King James Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The Passion Translation, I, I love how they word this. Jesus is asking a question. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life to me with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. That is so beautiful. And it brings me so much peace. It makes me kind of woozy just reading it. <laughs> I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. Ugh. But Jesus also shows us the other side. If you want to take a look at Luke 13, verse 24, he says almost a complete opposite statement. 
Luke 11, 13 through 20, or 13, 24. In the New King James, it says, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Strive. What? <laughs> you just said it was going to be easy. Strive to enter in through the narrow gate. Let's look a little bit deeper into that word that we translate as strive. Um, in the Greek, it's Strong's number G75. There we go. Agonizomai. <laughs> Does she have the... Yeah, good. Agonizomai. It means to struggle, to contend with adversaries, to endeavor with strenuous zeal, to compete for a prize. If you can picture in your mind a wrestler and, you know, it's, it's, the, final, it's the final match. If you look at that word, you might recognize an English word in there. It's where we get our English word agonize. You know what it means to agonize. Some of my worst moments in my entire life, I was in agony. It hurts. It's hard. It's not easy. <laughs> so how do we reconcile? In one place where he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that we need to strive to enter through the narrow gate. In one place, he says one thing. In another, he sounds like he says something else. Which one is true? They're both true. One thing that healing ministry has taught me is that I have the example of Jesus sitting in front of me that he healed everyone that came to him. But I'm not seeing that. In my life, I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing every single person healed. I'm just being honest. But yet, I'm expected to believe that every time I pray, that person's going to be healed. How do I reconcile that? It's called a divine tension. <laughs> there is tension in ministry from what we see and what the Scripture says from what we're experiencing in life. So I believe that both is true for these scriptures. If you are heavy laden, come to Jesus. If you have heavy burdens in life, come to Jesus. If your life is full of chaos and strife, come to Jesus. He will give us rest. He will give us peace. He will give us pleasantness. Simply, I like that word, simply... Join your life to mine. It is a simple gospel. The gospel does bring us peace and rest. It does help to complete us. I remember when I first heard the good news, um, I, was, I was sitting in the church with my wife, 
and uh, um, scriptures were being read, and literally, this is how I felt. I, it felt like cold water was just being poured over me, and I'd been in a hot summer day, sweating and agonizing, and just cold, cool water was washing over me. I sat and bawled my eyes out, could not stop, and I had no idea what was going on. What is this? But yet it felt so good, so good. So then the question is, where does the striving come from? Where does the agonizing come up in our life? True to Jesus' words, it's not from him. <laughs> his load, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but the striving comes from us. It's us. Agonizomai means to contend with adversaries to compete for a prize. Okay? Well, then we ask. I always ask one question after another after another, and hopefully it leads me in a certain direction. But so then I need to ask where... With whom am I contending with? Who am I in competition with? Who am I fighting with? Many people will say that it's the spirit forces. Just cast these demons out and be done with it. That's true. But I don't believe that's a majority of the problem. Because if we do, as we're going to discuss today, those spirit forces aren't going to be a problem for you anyway. A majority of our struggle comes with contending within ourselves our perceptions of life and the fight between our flesh and our spirit. We contend with conclusions that we've drawn from life, um, things that have happened, experiences that we've been through in our past. Okay, so I know this is true, this is true, this is true, because this, this, and this happened to me. And we receive that as truth. But then the scriptures say something else. It says it should be easy. It says that I am loved, even though I don't feel loved. So our contention comes from how we have perceived our past. The conclusions that we've drawn from our experiences and then... This is what the scriptures say. That, my friends, is where striving comes from. Did you know that we're all theologians? Every one of us. Yeah. We are all theologians. Theology means, to, uh, it means a study of God and how he interacts with and relates to his creation. That's theology. A, theo a theologian will develop a theological theory based upon what he studied and what he's seen. He has drawn these conclusions. He puts them in a book, and you believe it. Because he's a theologian. He knows. 
But that's what we do, every single one of us. We come to know the good news, and we develop theories based upon our life and our experiences, i.e., our past. We build these theologies, we build these theories, and how we have seen or how we believe that we've seen God interact with it, okay? So we draw these conclusions. This, this, and this must be true. Then what we're expecting to happen, based upon the conclusions that we've drawn, what we expect to happen doesn't happen or doesn't happen the way that we think it should We can get depressed. We can get sad, downtrodden, weary. It brings confusion. We do this, all of us, we do this without really being conscious of it. We just, it just, we just do it because we put these things, these, these conclusions into our minds, and it's become part of our belief system. And now we swallow it hook, line, and sinker, and uh, um, it's, it's just there. This is what I believe. And sometimes we won't even admit it because we don't know. <laughs> but when certain situations come up, boom, that's the first thing that comes up. <clears throat> now, once a conclusion becomes a part of our belief system, did you know that your brain, your mind will defend it? It will fight for it. It will look for situations and events and conclusions in life that agree with it. That's how our mind works. And honestly, it's a really great thing when it happens in the good, when our conclusions are correct. It's a great thing because nobody's going to convince me otherwise. But when nobody's going to convince me otherwise is wrong, <laughs> strife. <laughs> For example, um, to be a good parent, we're taught, we're trained, we believe that we have to worry about our kids. If you're not worrying or afraid for what's going to happen to your children, if you're not praying for them every single night, um, then you're not really a good parent. What does Scripture say? Acts 16.31 says, If you believe, your entire household will be saved. Your whole house. If you believe, man, my kids, I've talked to them, I've preached to them, I've told them, they're still doing stupid things, um, you just, you don't know, you know, what kind of trouble that they can get into, I never know, I get phone calls, pray for my kids, please, and we lose our peace over this. What does scripture say? That if I believe, 
my entire household will be safe. Yeah, but I know sister so-and-so over here. Her son got into drugs, and he had an overdose, and he died, and he didn't know Jesus. There's a conclusion. And now I'm defending it. I'm defending it. What does Scripture say? <laughs> if you believe, your entire household will be saved. Yeah, your entire household. So, and, and I've told this story before. I used to pray for my kids every single night, or really... She'll add to this, you know, because we, we did it together. Every single night, prayed for my kids. Lord, and I would word it different ways. Please save my kids. Please bring my kids into your kingdom. God, don't let my kids do anything really stupid that will mess up their lives so that restricts them when they come into the kingdom. Um, oh, my goodness. Just all kinds of, I can't even think of everything we used to say in our prayers just because got, I got tired of saying the same thing every night. But the point is, the point is, is that I was praying out of concern for my children that they would not know Jesus before they checked out of the planet, okay? And God asked me one day, do you believe that your kids will believe? Yeah. Then why do you pray like that every night? Wow. So now I thank God. I don't do it every night, but I do. I thank him for my kids knowing him. And, and because, okay, so I'm looking for things that's going to support my beliefs, right? So because my kids, only one of them, I got four boys, they're all grown up. One of them believes, okay? One of them is a believer. The other three are not now but their life is doing pretty good. At one point, their lives were pretty messed up. So when something negative does happen, I don't come to the conclusion, I don't allow myself to come to the conclusion that their entire life is based upon that event. It's not. It goes for their entirety of their life. And I have no idea what great surprise God's got for their future. And it will come someday. So why do I worry? I don't. <laughs> Not anymore. I used to. I don't now. Well, you just don't care for your kids. <sighs> Whatever. When our conclusions and beliefs are not based on truth of Scripture, we can strive to attain the promises of God. We run, we struggle after them, when here's the reality. That truth, that promise is supposed to come to you. You don't have to chase it. It will come to you. Why are we so worried? These promises can be prophecies, the word of God or prophecies have been spoken over us for years, decades. Abraham and Sarah, excellent example. They waited 25 years for the birth of Isaac. From the time that, that God gave Abraham the promise. Now, they were waiting a long time before that. 
Abraham was what? He was over 100, like 125 years old. But even they chased after and tried to make happen the promise themselves. They tried. They got together and say, well, I think maybe we need to help God out a little bit because there ain't nothing going on here. <laughs> I know. Why don't you sleep with my maidservant, Hagar, and then I will adopt that child as my own. Did you know that the name Ishmael means God listens? <laughs> they honestly believe that Ishmael was the result of the promise. That God was listening to Abraham and Sarah's pleading. When in reality, Ishmael was the result of adultery. Calling it as it is. No condemnation on Abraham or Sarah. 25 years is a long time. So, they're seeing all these other people have kids. Why aren't we? Really, and I, we know this struggle. This struggle, we know that. Oh my goodness. So, in like turn it's it's so easy to look at other people like right here in the church it's so easy to look at other people in the church and see how their life is doing tony's in pakistan you know he's preaching thousands of people's lives are being changed it's so easy to look at other people's lives and see that wow my life's not like that i'm nowhere close to being like that you know what, maybe, maybe there's just something wrong with me. Maybe, maybe God loves Tony more, or maybe he has a greater anointing for those kinds of things, more than what I have. Now, we've just drawn another conclusion. We've just pushed something down into our belief system that is not true. And it leads to striving. So, how do we get from here to there? How do we get from striving to ease and rest? First, we have to realize that whatever you believe, and like I said, sometimes you don't know what you believe until you're faced with it. Whatever you believe, you empower in your life. After receiving Jesus as our Savior, the most important thing that we can do, yes, Joe, there you go. The most important thing that, that, that we can do is focus on what we believe. It's the most important thing in our life outside of receiving Jesus, to focus on what we're putting into our core. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, in the NASB 1995, if you got that. 
That's pretty, pretty out there. Specifically, the 1995 revision. Because the other revisions don't say what I'm about to bring out. Okay, so this is talking about this process. It says, in the NASB 1995, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. What are these fortresses? What are these walls? Where are they? We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, that taking every thought captive helps us to see what is he, what is he talking about? He's talking about the stuff that goes on up here. Taking every thought captive. Did you know that to speculate means to draw conclusions and believe something as true even though we have insufficient evidence? You just got to believe. Okay. <laughs> so we need to take these thoughts captive and replace them with thoughts of God's truth. This is the renewing of the mind. Ephesians 4, 21 through 24. I'm purposely not going to my go-to verse, which is Romans 12, 2. I'm showing you that there's other places where it talks about this. But you can look up Romans 12, 2 on your own. You don't know what it is. Where it says... If indeed you have heard him and been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness." If you indeed have heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. If indeed you have heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. He's making a statement of something that is true. That this has already happened, but do you believe it? That... The old man, which is corrupt and has lust, be, and then renew the spirit of our mind and put on the new man. According to God, which was created according to God in true righteousness and loyalty. This, my friends, is our warfare. That's our warfare. To believe, and, and this comes up right before Jesus goes on, or Paul goes on to explain the armor of God. To believe this truth is in Christ Jesus. That we have put off the old man, and we've put on the new man, which was created in true righteousness and holiness. 
It's already happened. The process involves us believing it. As we mentioned before, our beliefs are everything. It's everything. He says in true righteousness, you know what it means to be righteous? It means to be right. <laughs> Let me extrapolate a little bit. It means to be right as God says, this is right. This is how you should be. This is how you should be. Me individually, this is how I should be. When I am as I should be, I am righteous. Okay? When I am, as it's not by what a church tells you. It's not what you've learned at, through other pastors. It is what God says how you should be. See, it's different from, for all of us. We all have followed Christ, Christ Jesus. I'm not Tony. I like Joe. <laughs> you know? But that, that wasn't always true. And so as we grow in this process, we understand and believe that we are fully and wholly accepted as I am. This is what God determines is right for me. There's all these scriptures that apply to all of us that we should follow and do and believe. But there are certain things of how I apply these things, how I see them, how I put it into my life and how I help others with it. It's uniquely me. And it's the same is true for every single person. You're all theologians. The same is true for every single one of us. It is a process. Aureli did not get the way Aureli is overnight. She's an amazing lady. I am so honored to be her husband. I mean, honored. I love the woman with everything I have. But I am also honored that she's, she's my wife. She calls me her husband. I didn't always feel that way. <laughs> Did not always feel that way. But the process, you guys see her now, okay? You see her now. The process that God has put her through changed her. Because she allowed the renewing of her mind to happen. Okay? For any of us, it did not happen overnight. I've yet, can God do it overnight? Yes, he can. But you know what? I love the process. I love seeing the guy that God made me to be. I love seeing him blossom and unfold and becoming. Because I enjoy it so much. It is so cool. The process is beautiful. Let's take a look at Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 again, this time in the Passion Translation. It says, Are you weary carrying a heavy burden? Come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Now what he says next shows us the process. 
Simply join your life with mine. Receive Jesus. Surrender to him. Receive him. Learn my ways. Here's the process. Learn my ways and discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. Our past will tell us that Jesus is very exacting. That he punishes those that disobey him. Cities that are not believing in Christ or they're doing horrible things. God's going to bring down judgment on them. That's not Joe saying that. That's what we can bring into the kingdom. Okay? The process undoes that. Because now we begin seeing how loving, kind, and gracious Jesus is. That's the process. And then we begin unveiling that within our own lives. Because whatever you worship, you will become. Whatever you worship, you will become. So our view of God is critical. So there in Matthew chapter 11, verse 20 through 30, it's a beautiful way of explaining the process. And as a church, we are focused on helping all of us to get through this process. As a leadership body right now, we're in the process of forming small groups that will help us to learn and grow in Jesus' ways. As he mentioned, learn my ways and you'll discover. What are his ways? What are some of the things that, that we had to undo and get rid of and then believe anew in Jesus that has made us the way that we're all, we are today? So these small groups will help us along the pathway to, um, to discovering just how easy it is to know and to live this Christian life. What does it, you hear this a lot from up here. What does it really mean to rest in God? What does that mean? If we're so busy in doing, 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 we may not even know what that means. Really, no. Somebody said the other day, it, it, it doesn't mean, you know, just sitting in your chair and sleeping. <laughs> There's a little bit more involved to it than that. But what does it really mean to rest in God? So, the statement, I believe, help my unbelief, it's a valid, it's a valid question. Even though for this man, it was made in desperation. Sometimes we make that, that declaration in desperation also. I believe, because in some ways we do, but help my unbelief. Help me in areas where I don't believe that you're going to come through, that you love me. It's a good realization to know that I need more. God, I, I've seen what you've done so far, how you've unveiled all this before me, but I need to know more. I need more. My life demands it. And that's, that is a good question. God, on, God will honor that question. It's a process of undoing all the things that we believe that are not accurate. It's hard because you want to defend it. 
I believe that Jesus came as a man to the earth and died on the cross and was resurrected on the third day. I believe that he died for our sins and that he desires close and intimate relationship with every single one of us. Everything else, I'll be honest with you, is up for grabs. Because <laughs> what I believe today is nothing like what I believed 10, 12 years ago. Nothing. I've been through it, and I'm not saying I'm done. I'm still going through it. I'm still in the process. I'm here with you all. I do believe God help me in my unbelief. So if you would like prayer or a word from God to help us along in this process, we're going to have a prayer team up here. Feel free to come up. If you have questions about the, uh, the, the small groups, <laughs> ask someone in leadership. One of our pastors would love to help you. Okay? As I said, we're in process of that too. <laughs> all right? So thank you all for coming. Today was so awesome, and we're not done with the day, but today was just incredible. Worship was awesome. Oh, man, God is so good. And it just, it just feels good. Okay? So God bless you all, and have a great day. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.org.